2: Thursday's episode of a Terrace Scottish football podcast. I am Craig Fowler, and tonight I am joined by two men who are going to help me talk about Scotland in the present and Scotland in the past. That is Andy Harrow. Hello. And Gordon... Oh, God, I forgot to practice.
1: <laughs> Gordon from the Tartan Scarf, and that's plenty. There
2: we go, yes. Gordon doing, from Craig? the Tartan Scarf podcast. Hello, Gordon. Hi, Craig. Yeah, that gets me out of trying to pronounce your surname and that's get funny. it wrong again. <laughs> right, we're here to talk about Scotland's latest match, which was the 2-0 draw away to Austria. We'll then get on to the next game in our countdown of the most memorable Scotland matches of all time. So I think we're on to number... I'll need to double check before we get to this part of the show, but I think we're on number 12 now. Andy, you have a clue about that? Nope. Okay, <laughs> thanks. It's
3: got to be high. Really, uh, it's a good one. Really, really, really in me there. I've got it here.
2: Let's get to the list. Uh, 12, oh, I was right, 12, yes. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly a memorable game, a terrific performance, and um, quite a bit of a bit of sad irony there that that's uh, the game that we that we were talking about to this point in time because obviously we should have been playing Ukraine last week and then we might have been here sitting talking about how we're going to the World Cup and oh wasn't it great to see all those Welsh tears get it right up them but instead we had a couple of friendlies to to watch first and let's let's begin with that guys I. I I watched this game on on Tuesday because I was going to be on the podcast, so I thought, right, okay, I better watch it. I better try and pay attention to see who's who's doing well and who's not. And but the Poland game the week before, I I didn't have to. Well, I was so when was the poll game? That like, yeah, that was a Thursday. So just yeah, I had it on because yeah, Scotland fans should have the Scotland game on, and you know there might be something to to talk about on the on review for the terrace the following week. About ten minutes in. I just suddenly remembered. I was like, I hate friendly matches. International friendlies, club friendlies, they're shit. They're, they're, <laughs> they're like, borderline pointless. They're just, I don't care. I don't care who wins a friendly. Yes, I'm happier of Scotland, does it? And yeah, I was a wee bit annoyed when that, um Polish striker, the, the substitute, that came out at halftime, when he dived to, to cost Scotland a victory. And, uh, more importantly, Craig Gordon on our clean sheet. Uh, but, apart from that I didn't give a toss and I'm so happy that we have the nations league now and so that international friendlies are really just a thing of the past.
1: Gordon yeah you're 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 absolutely spot on look honestly it's not really a thing that people do very often is praise governing bodies but yeah I think UEFA deserves so much credit for what they've done, bringing in the Nations League, because the whole point was give you give us competitive, meaningful matches against teams of a similar standards, and that you can actually learn from, and grow from, and build from. Um, and I think you know it's fascinating when you look over the whole course of Steve Clark's reign as Scotland manager. You know he's been in charge for almost three years now, and that's only the third and fourth friendlies he's taken charge of. So almost every game he's played as manager has had some kind of stakes riding on it be it qualification playoffs uh tournament of course or or nations league and i think what we've seen in the last week is that there is still a place every now and again for a friendly because i think we'll take away a few positives out of this week you know we've blooded some new players we've blooded some younger players and the most important thing is that the positivity and the momentum continues to grow. We're now eight games unbeaten. So, as much as we wanted to have the playoffs this week, we wanted to have. I think we were ready for them, given how we ended last year. You know, we're, we're, we just get better and better. This core group of a team that we've we've built, I think, continues to to get better.
3: Yeah, that that's the crucial thing for me. That you say, Gordon, about the keeping the momentum going about it, because what there's not much you can really get out of friendlies there's a few positives you know light like bleeding new players or getting used to a new system there wasn't ever going to be that much that, that we were going to do in that sense from Clark Clark's not somebody who seems to chop and change it just on a whim um, so the, the, what we didn't want to do from this was to come away from you know two decent teams that we were playing with poor performances and poor results and I don't think we got that from either game really I mean I was on the podcast when we were talking about earlier in the week the polling game and it, it was a good performance for the for the most part in on that one uh, the osha one was less so but in the grand scheme of things it's a 2-2 draw against a, a team at the same sort of level who were obviously in a um, world cup playoff game themselves and it wasn't our first choice team that was out there so the the, the, the feel good factor uh to use that kind of oft used phrase is still is still there, you know, with eight games unbeaten. I think what it does do interestingly is that it maybe pricks the bubble a wee bit. Uh, that that Austria game, the uh, the the Poland game was especially, as, as I say, that first sort of sixty five minutes was really positive from a Scotland perspective. Poland didn't really create many chances, and, and Scotland were in control of the game. And I think what the uh, the difference between the the two friendly games was that. Austria created a lot of chances in that game. Um, I mean, Gordon was clearly the man of the match and had a number of of great saves. And I think it shows that we can't be complacent about it. And I, d- I don't think we will be. I don't think Steve Clark's not the type of guy to get complacent about it. And I don't think these type of players are. But it shows that we're no, you know, if we ever do play Ukraine, it's not a guarantee by any means that we'll get through that or or that we'll breeze through that in the the Wales game. And it. um it just gives us a bit of, a bit of perspective that this isn't... Uh, we're a team with fine margins. You know, there's nobody... We don't have a Gareth Bale, so it, it always relies on pretty much everyone playing well all the time, um, which, we, you know, they've done incredibly well the last... How many is that? Eight, well, eight games now. But it is. it's fine margins, and if we, you know, the midfield don't turn up or... Couple of the centre halves have a bit of a horror show, or no, you know, chi Adams is a bad game. Then, then we're struggling. Um, so yeah, so there was a, a bit of perspective to it, but aye, otherwise it was relatively positive, I guess.
1: I think, I think, I think, I think for me though, it shows though how the how the expectation has evolved in this Scotland squad over recent times. The fact that you're talk we're talking about two friendly matches against teams, both teams are ranked higher than us. You know, they've both been seeded higher than us consistently in recent years, and. Despite not, probably not playing our fullest strength 11 in either game, we probably should have won both games, should have and could have won both games, and we're disappointed to be sitting with two draws. So I think that shows that we're, yeah, we're holding this team to higher standards now, which is a, a a sign of their success.
2: And I saw an article, I think it was, I didn't actually read it, um, but, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is most people read articles these days. Um, what what do the headlines head like. say, Craig? <laughs> uh, but the headline, it was in the Scots, but it was by Andrew Smith, and he says, it was something along the lines, like, Clark should try a, a new formation, and I think, like, I, I get that there's a kind of feeling that you should have a plan B, and that's, yeah, certainly. I can understand that, that line of, of reasoning, and... I can also kind of understand the reason of yeah we have we have kind of finally figured things out in the in the three at the back system we've got it working well for us so maybe let's try uh, something a little bit different to see if we could mix things up but no I I, I don't agree with that at all I, I think firstly I still don't think we're that far removed from the three five two not looking particularly great at all I mean how long ago was the Israel game. Like we, <laughs> we beat Israel but Israel are not good we still needed a last minute goal to do so and conceded twice and still didn't look fully functioning since that point the formation looked great and, and didn't have any points in it but that was that's only what four or five games ago or whatever so we still need like international football continuity is, is something that's hard to come by and as much continuity we can get could only be a positive for this team going into to those playoffs and the in the summer, so I'm glad that he did. But he obviously had to kind of mix things up a little bit. It would also be a little bit... I mean, players would probably like to play because players just love playing. But there's maybe a little element of unfairness to the guys if you just, you know, the games don't matter. They're in the midst of long club seasons. Uh, it's ramping up to the, the quote-unquote business time of the campaigns to just play the, the starting 11 in both matches. I thought we treated the Poland game like a... Like it was a a proper match. I don't think Poland necessarily (laughs) did, considering Robert Lewandowski sat on the bench for the entire match. But we said I think we did, and we were at uh, Craig Anderson tweeted this that that Scotland played at hundred percent against Poland and probably about eighty percent against Austria. And but to do and obviously we brought in Lewis Lewis Ferguson, I think, is the main one. It was good to get Ryan Jack back in the team and get more kind of Get him back into kind of the the team in the national fold because he he will be the one that steps in if anything happens to Billy Golmor or Callum McGregor, and he can even ask the question of Steve Clark is he is he a better option than, than perhaps one of the two for for the upcoming matches? But it was good for him. But Lewis Ferguson isn't going to it's not going to play against in either of the the playoffs unless he's maybe a late substitute to try and shore things up. That's 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 not going to happen. Yeah, uh, Ferguson I,
3: felt a wee bit like a loyalty. Pick that he's, he's been at, on a he's lot of these squads recently and turned up mm-hmm. for and you know, come on for a couple of minutes so give him a, a first up which is fine because you need you need guys who are capable of yeah. being and good also as well it might it.
2: help him get the hell mm-hmm. away from Aberdeen which yes <laughs> <laughs> sure. you
3: could
1: you, you could probably argue the same about Armstrong as well in the game in Austria because again Armstrong is a guy who turns up for every single game in every single camp and just doesn't start and again, many many one games. of
2: these picks. Like if if we're, if we're especially if we're going with one up front, like say we're only going with one of Dykes yeah. or Adams for one of these big games, and he is he would be like the natural second mm-hmm. pick. Like if Christian McGinn can't make it, so again, yeah. it kind of
1: makes sense to to make sure he's on the on the right lines as everybody else. Which in in, in fairness, Craig, you know you you you're saying about us like sort of drilling the same system over and over again. Which which I think you are right. We we have been. Working on this three, the back system, and I think they have been getting better and better within it. But it has subtly evolved as well, hasn't it? Because I mean, mm-hmm. that game against Israel was the last time that we played with two central strikers, and since then it's been uh, it's been Shea Adams leading the line with attacking midfielders off him, and we've looked very good in that. So it's it's been a constant sort of evolution of this system, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, and uh, that, that's a, that's a good, and that's probably our best plan B uh, is... Bring on Lyndon Dykes! Mm. If we're we needing to chase a game, if we're struggling, if we can't play our way through teams, if we can't counter attack or whatever, get on the big guy to to basically fuck shit up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because look, also what <laughs> what Steve Clark's done with this team is you know he's turned John McGinn into just an elite level player. You know I've reading, been reading tweets about him. You know he's what twelve Scotland goals in the last two and a half years. Only James McFadden, Mo Johnson, Kenny Miller, Ali McCoist, and Kenny Dalglish have got more goals for Scotland in the last fifty years than John McGinn. I mean,
2: is the question now is, is he going to finish as Scotland's all-time goal scorer?
1: I, I mean. What, what, what age is he is he 12 goals it'd be a lot it'd be a stretch oh,
2: oh is this actually a serious question <laughs> it'd be a stretch
1: <laughs> I mean he could I mean who knows I mean he's averaging like four goals a year all times
2: scorers <laughs> and hang on John McGinn let's have an age of John McGinn he's only what got to get 18 26? more he's
1: only, got, he's only got to get 18 more to go level ah, he's 27
2: with 27 though so you're thinking like goal scoring wise like you have mm. to think he's going to be playing that high up the park he's only got about four years <laughs> uh, so, but if he's averaging right. four
1: goals, four goals a year, then he's got another sixteen, sixteen uh, right, goals. he in can him.
2: still like. You can still pad it. He starts yeah. getting some
1: Nations League against Armenia. <laughs> uh,
2: right, aye, certainly. Right, okay. Okay. And 12. And I think, right. I, I
1: think as well, you know, we're. 20?
2: Are, we, are we getting him in the top five of all time? Are we getting him past Ali McCoy? I don't
1: see why not. <laughs> Fuck it. Why I genuinely do? don't see why not. I mean, with with the finishing prowess that he's got and, and also just the chances that we can create for him. I mean, the way that Tierney and Robertson can underlap, overlap, providing chances for him. Um, but but look again, you know we're we're talking about the consistency of this side. You know that that's this is now the second time under Steve Clark that we've got eight, that we've gone eight games unbeaten, and the last time Scotland did that was in the nineteen eighties. I think it was your colleague Barry Anderson who pulled that one out.
2: Ah, yeah, that's certainly something, and it's great. Aye, so let's talk about the game against Austria what did what did we make of it overall was it, I it was fair to say, like I think the the, the problem the, the biggest concern with the game was how many chances we gave up but if we're not going at full stretch then that's because c- we don't I mean we have to ride our luck at times but we don't typically give up loads and loads of chances I think the last time was a Denmark game where we got you know scudded um but otherwise we, we tend to be fairly resolute.
3: Yeah, I think there's a there's a few reasons for it, I think one is it's a friendly and not just a friendly it's a second friendly in a few days so I don't know maybe minds are a bit softer than they were at the at the start of the, um, the international break so there's a wee bit there uh, I think the fact that Billy Gilmore didn't or the fact that the midfield actually was a was a factor we had obviously Jack getting back up to speed in a, a Scotland jersey, but he has obviously been out for a, for a, a period of time and missed a, a, a bunch of games and maybe isn't kind of back up to the the speed of international football. Um, and Armstrong and Ferguson, like we said, are, are backups, really. The fact that we didn't have Billy Gilmore in there, who uh, is so important for the possession and, and keeping the ball was a, was a big factor in it. Uh, the fact that we didn't have McGregor, who, you know, It does so much up and down the pitch and and helps protect the defence. And I thought as well, the fact we also had Patterson playing right back. The last time we we were in Austria, we were on 1-0, we had O'Donnell playing there. And I think we've seen that before from Clark that whenever there's a big game where he's nervous about the opposition, he plays Stephen O'Donnell as a wing-back which is more or less, you know, more often than not worked out pretty well. Whereas when you're playing Patterson, you fully expect him to be hearing past, uh, you know, Chi Adams at points, and, and like he did. And it, but it does leave you more exposed than uh, than you would otherwise. So I, th- I think there was formation reasons for it. I think there was, or not formation as such, but there was tactical reasons for it. I think there was mental reasons for it. And I, I, you know, Austria. I think we, we thought Austria would not bother turning up because they'd be knocked out because their manager's about to be sacked and you know they were actually they were actually fine like mentality wise they were they were up for a game more or less after the first kind of 10-15 minutes where i thought scotland were in top they gradually got into and they've got a good set of players although we've had a few decent results against them they're not a bad team um so it's it's understand it's a bit concerning that we gave up so many chances but it's sort of understanding, uh, understandable in the circumstances. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I've got to say, I, I was personally pretty surprised that we didn't at least give a half to another goalkeeper. I mean, you're not really going to get a better chance to give Good, someone the gloves to start that transitional process. I mean, as much as we all love Craig Gordon and wish he would live forever, he's turning 40 at Christmas and you know <laughs> like we have to the, the future is coming
3: fast upon us
2: he, Gordon he is the Scottish Tom Brady He's going till mm. he's 45
3: I, I'd hope water. you're right old was on <laughs> when, he, when he packed it in because he, he was the same year a kind of big Indian long Indian mm. in summer didn't he so he's he's the comparison I mean the, the thing about the goalkeeper a bit Gordon is, is just how uninspiring the options are behind him like you'd have no real confidence that Xander Clark or Liam Kelly are going to be like a are going to be there in six months' time because they you know you could easily see their form cratering come the start of the next season and then they're never seen again. So it it feels a wee bit like if there was if there was somebody coming through who was younger and there was a wee bit of hope that it would turn into a, um, a bit of a star. Then I, I would kind of agree with you as it is. I don't, I don't know if either of those guys are the, the future and so I don't know. Gordon saved us a, a point ultimately so yeah, I don't know, I don't know.
2: I think, how old is he though because he's not exactly a sprint chicken himself but John, I think John McLaughlin is the future and I think he will be Rangers goalkeeper
3: <laughs> It's John Is John McLaughlin 31, isn't he? Thirty-four. Thirty-four. Right. Okay. <laughs> Hang on. I'm not sure. Is this a bit,
2: Craig? <laughs> you are been serious. I was. I was laughing. But i am been serious. John McLaughlin is definitely the future for the, the Scotland goalkeeper jersey okay. for the for the short term because he's going to become Rangers goalkeeper next season. He would be in the squad if it wasn't for the fact that since Van Bronckhorst has come into Rangers, he's he, he's Gerrard's kind of goalkeeper rotation, probably badly, eh, because McGregor should be sitting out some of these run of the mill. Premiership games where he's making an arse of things and, and almost and quite possibly contributing to costing Rangers a title. But that's Giovanni Bronker's decision, so McLaughlin isn't playing so Clark is now not picking him for for Scotland as a result. But I think I'd still say out of the, the goalkeepers that we have available beneath Gordon, I'd think McLaughlin's the best of them. And I would probably include David Marshall in that as well. Uh, at this at this stage of Marshall's career.
1: Yeah, no, that that's that's fair enough. And um, but I th- I think you know, as much as Clark has shown that there are some players that he'll make exceptions for when they're not getting minutes at club football, like a Nathan Patterson, who he does see mm. as the future of that position, yeah, goalkeeper is one that you do need to be playing club team football to be sharp and enough, to be ready yeah. enough.
2: It's also a bit of a concern that our future is only five years younger than the, the present. <laughs> was, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't think all goalkeepers are all age like Craig Gordon. So you can have it like John McLaughlin is just good for like two years, and then that's it. Yeah.
3: Another three years behind McGregor at uh, Rangers and by the time he finally gets be <laughs> The Prince Charles of Scotland goalkeepers. The thing is ready for that. He passed it. <laughs>
2: I'll write that down. That's gonna be that's gonna be the name. Hang on. Prince Charles of Scotland goalkeepers <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I kinda I get your point, but I think Clark was just—he was going for momentum and yeah. confidence and continuity over, over trying stuff out. Mm-hmm. And you could have saw it as well. Like he made subs in the games, but the subs he made the same sub in both matches, which tells you that how seriously Clark was taking this. And Craig Halkett never got on in both games as well. Now, which I think, like, so guys coming into the squad, and it's clearly just like quite quite often managers go, "Okay, here you go. It's a friendly. Here's your debut. We ten minutes at the end." But Clark was. Was too. Wasn't going for that kind of, you know, kind of sympathy yeah, sort of thing, a participation like just,
1: yeah. medal approach. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. So I think that, I think that's why none of the goalkeepers really got a, got a shot. It's interesting though. Like people more and more. Because he did look a bit nervous when he came on, as he, as he sometimes does. Stephen O'Donnell, you do wonder how far his cl- club <laughs> career goes into the toilet before he just stops getting picked for Scotland. Because <laughs>
3: sure.
2: uh, you do know that it's going to be one of those ones. Steve Clark won't care at all, but it's going to be one of those ones that if he does make a mis- if he's called upon and he makes a big mistake in a big game, then every single Scotland fan is going to be going, "Why did Ooh. you pick the guy who couldn't get a game ahead of Bevis McGabby right back from Motherwell when <laughs> when when you are the club captain of Motherwell?" <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. certainly, yeah, look, obviously, if this if this had been a qualifier and an important game, people would have been saying that Stephen O'Donnell could have closed down the cross better for the first goal. But, look, it was a pretty perfect combination of cross and header. And, and again, maybe the Grant Hanley let him go? Grant Hanley maybe didn't have his best game either. But, yeah, I don't know. You just kind of, we'll just, we'll take these ones on the chin and we'll sort of just...
2: Mm. something that something bodes well for these games I say games because it might just be one game might get, <laughs> Ukraine might have this this kind of uh, the story this Ukrainian team might have a story that in years to come is made into a Hollywood film <laughs> you know with, with uh, so much tragedy and so much to worry about going on back home and they just inspire a nation by beating Scotland and getting to the World Cup Um I mean, I mean the, the blow would be softened if they beat Wales as well to be fair but um they, the opponent like,
3: Scotland would be the sort of Nazi-style. <laughs> oh, opponents, that'd be a real. That, that, a bit of a blow for our the whole uh, the whole the whole of the whole M- M- the thing. Play. You know, the... it's going to
2: be the first time that we're playing somebody where literally everybody else in the world is wanting us to lose. Are we? Like, usually are the we the baddies end, like, now? We get, we get patronised most of the time, but usually everybody's like, oh, yeah, I want Scotland to do well. I like yeah, Scotland. to I mean, now it's, everybody's going to be like, come on, Ukraine. No, like, oh, that's it, not fair. We don't, we don't mean to a tournament for, we don't mean a World Cup in fucking years.
3: we good uh, has for it, once. Has anyone ever been portrayed as a baddie uh, despite winning best fans of the tournament before? That's a... There's <laughs> that question? Uh, uh, the, um, uh, the only other thing I was going to say about the... The friendly, just on on the, the the people we didn't use actually, is that I, I would have been interested to to see something other than um, Che Adams up front. Mm. I think I think how can I'm less bothered about it? because I think we've got a few different options in defence and you know we've seen like Liam Cooper coming in for Hanley and there's a there's a bit of changing around you can do there and we've got a bit of depth there. I think. The way that we're playing now, and I think Gordon, you mentioned that, but the fact that Adams is up there on his, his own with a couple of midfielders off him, he, he's so important to how we play. And I would be interested to to try a couple of other guys, because we're so thin, really, it's really just him and Dykes, that um, I wouldn't I wouldn't have minded seeing um, a bit of Stewart, at least to see what he's like, cause it's been a while. I mean, I don't watch any of the league he's in, so... I don't know how up to international level he is at the moment, uh, or or even Brown or somebody. Again, I don't I don't know if they're if they're good enough. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, and there's a wee bit of me appreciates the fact that Clark makes it quite hard for you to get a cap, uh, unlike under. Uh, Previous managers, but there is a, a, a part of me Mark, would have would have liked to have, uh, Mark, Mark Mark McNulty very <laughs> happy for the existence of Alex McLeish Scotland boss. <laughs> yes, yeah, the, yeah, A bit inauspicious, the the set of the list of players under uh, under McLeish that last time, um, but but I would I would I would have been interested to have seen maybe uh, I'm trying a couple of them for I don't know half an hour mm-hmm. against Austria, just to just to see what they're like because if. If there's some sort of terrible situation happens where neither Adams or, for whatever reason, Dights aren't available to start, we're, we're down to nothing. Up mm-hmm. front, you know, we're probably down to playing. We'd be a fucked. Nine. We'd, aye, aye. we'd, we'd
1: be would absolutely be. knackered. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it would have to be McGinn. McGinn as a false nine through the middle, um, which I'm sure he could do because Please, John. as he continues to score the goals that take him yeah. all the way past 30 goals. Um, but no, I, I completely agree, agree with you, Andy. I think I would have, I would have, I wanted to see more of Jacob Brown in the last week because you're right. I mean, he might be good enough for Scotland. He might not be, but we just don't know because we haven't seen enough of him yet. You know, he got five minutes off the bench in Moldova. He got five minutes off the bench against Poland. I've seen just, nothing. It's
2: almost, it's almost like he was given the five minutes against Moldova just to make sure he could never play for England oh. if he gets
1: really good. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, I mean, I'm assuming Ross Stewart must have picked up a knock. I didn't see that reported, but he didn't I even, didn't even make, time, he didn't even make the bench against Austria, did he? So, yeah. But we'll see. We'll see how he goes with, when, with Sutherland.
2: One thing I was going to ask, when did we become such a great counter-attacking team? Yeah. I, yeah.
3: Yeah. I, I. <laughs> I think it's Recently. been. I think it's been <laughs> since they moved to. I think it's been since they moved to Ad- Adams as the, the lone striker. I th- I, I've never it seen it pay. look quite so slick though as it did
2: quite often in that uh, the Austria but game. We were like that against.
3: We De- were like that against Denmark. I mean, I know we yeah. we dominated parts of that game, but. You know, the, the, if, I'm, if I remember rightly, the goal Adam scored was a, was a really good... Oh, yeah, that, that in, was like with, on, though. That was, like, uh, proper,
2: like... But, like, quite often we were, like, cutting through them with, like, nice kind of, like, one or two uh, touch passes and just, like, really threading the ball up the
3: pitch really quickly after Austria attacks. Yeah, that, we're just... Quite a lot of technically good players now, which is really yeah. weird to say. That's the that's the reason for it. Who who have also played together
1: enough times yeah. to actually know how each other play, and they you can see a lot of times actual patterns of play that they've clearly been working on game after game, camp after after camp. So, yeah, this, this is just the consistency selection that's making us a tasty wee team. You know, genuinely, like I, I was sitting in Hamden watching the, watching us against Poland, and you know, you're right. There was no pressure on the game. There was no real intensity in the stands, but you're just admiring, thinking, we're actually actually all right. Yeah. One thing I'm quite pleased about
2: for these last two games, um, Scott McTominay has not started in the centre of the park. Did wonder. I did wonder if he was going to try one more time. Can I get, can I get the Man United guy to work in the centre of this midfield? Because no, it's not going to work. It's not worked so far. He kept, he kept trying it every time. I was like, no, please stop playing McTorner in midfield. But I think Steve Clark has uh, finally moved on from that. Now that I've said that, he'll start against Ukraine in, in the centre. We'll be pushed Right, I think we've uh, squeezed as much juice as we can out of this game. Gordon, before we move on to the Ukraine the match uh, from 2007 please tell us about the under-17s, because you were there and the under-17s are good, the under-21s are not good the, <laughs> the under-21s are never good, but the under-17s are good, so tell us about the good stuff
1: Yeah, they, I was I was there, I attended all three matches this past week in the elite round of qualifying for the finals uh, this summer in Israel for the European Championships at under-17 level um, we were in a group with uh, Czech public, Germany and Georgia, our old pals. Um, we started with a draw against Czech Republic, came back from two goals down to draw two each, including the equaliser right at the, basically, the last kick of the game. We got absolutely scudded off of uh, Germany. We got beaten 4-0, and to be Germany were a frighteningly good side at that level. They've got some players, um, they had young, a young guy in centre midfield uh, called uh, um, Yeah, He's just had his... Uh, first team debut uh, in Germany in the Bundesliga, aged only 16, got two goals and assists, scary player. And then we came into the last game against Georgia, needing a big, big win to get the goal difference we needed to be one of the best runners up in the group and qualify for the finals, which we did. We won 6-1, a um, couple of standout players across the across the three games. Uh, one that I'm sure some of you, the listeners will be familiar with, is a guy called Ben Doak. Uh, Right winger for Celtic, who has just signed for Liverpool today for a reported fee of £600,000. He's small, fast, direct winger. His technique's very good. He scored a hat-trick against Georgia. He was involved in both goals against the Czech Republic. Um, He's got pace to burn. He's got technique. He was nominally playing as a right winger, but with a player of his talent, he had effectively a free roll to go wherever the hell he liked across the front three. Um, At that level, with his level of technique, he was a head and shoulders standout, but obviously you know, aged only 16, this is sort of a huge move for him and it'll be really interesting to see how he develops over the next couple of years because, to be fair, Liverpool do have a really good track record of bringing through young academy players, so I've got High hopes for him I'll follow his career closely I'm sure um, but yeah big move big big move for him to go down to Liverpool
2: That sounds quite promising because uh, yeah well, it's always good to, you always get you get excited like it's good it's good that the current team's good but I'm also I'm still like I'm not resting on any laurels I just want us to be good again consistently like we get yeah. kind of were maybe not as good as we were before because there's just far more football in countries now and football's a bigger deal and, and <laughs> countries that are bigger than ours and they've got you know more infrastructure now and more money getting put into and, and X, Y, and Z. So it's it's probably never going to be like it was before. But uh, I just want us to be a consistently decent football team. So it's good to hear about guys coming through who are quite exciting. Oh, so Alex Lowry is obviously kind of the other one as well absolutely that in, talking about recently in
1: the in the under 19s. Um, but again, the, the other player to flag up from the 17s, uh, the centre forward Rory Wilson, who scored two goals against Czech public. He's currently at Rangers. There's transfer rumours swirling around him as well. Apparently, Aston Villa. Might be about to lead the race for him as well. Um, but again, look, I think also what's promising is that a good number of those players under 17 level have come straight out of performance schools. And that's obviously Billy Gilmore and Nathan Patterson were raised in the performance school set up. And I think we are now, you know, what are we, 12 years into that process? We are starting to see the fruits of that system of Scottish footballers coming into adult football with really good technical ability that's a direct result of getting day-to-day coaching with Scottish FA qualified coaches as part of their schooling. So, yeah, you're right. I I think the future is genuinely, genuinely quite bright for us.
2: I also just looked up how old Che Adams was to see if it was possible he'd ever play with Ben Doak for Scotland. I think he could. (laughs) He's only 25. Che Adams is only 25? That's made me really excited.
3: Yeah, he feels like he's been kicking around for quite a long time.
2: He's going to be—he's going to be a centre forward for, barring any disastrous drop in former injury, he's going to be a centre forward for seven years.
3: So is he going to get to I'm 30 goals i decided. <laughs> uh,
1: no, he's
2: Sean McGinn. Yeah, how
3: many? How many is he on? I don't uh, think he's got that many, is he? Four,
1: uh, four, I think. Uh, he's got a way yeah. to go. Scored against Faroes scored against Luxembourg, and then Moldova and Denmark.
2: Ah, he can just have that up, and then uh, everybody else can uh, and do. Dykes the can sm- for us. And
1: Dikes can, and no, uh, McGinn can smash them in. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yes. <laughs> Right, let's go back in time now. Let's go all the way back to the... 13th of October, 2007. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just to get my notes up there. <laughs> 13th of October, 2007. Number one in the UK singles chart was About You Now by the Sugar Babes. Don't the remember
3: that one. I don't remember that one at all.
2: You don't remember what? About You Now?
3: No. I quite like the Sugar Babes, but I don't remember that one. I'll go back and listen to it afterwards, but yeah, that, the, the title is not ringing any bells.
2: Nah, uh, let me just think of a note that's the right song. I might be thinking of something else. Right? Yeah, now,
3: Sugar Babes. This is a great audio for so. That, yeah. That is the one I thought it was. Mm-hmm. It's got quite a good chorus. No. It's got a good chorus. No, there. I'm waiting for the chorus, but I don't know how much we can play. I suppose if we're talking over it, it's fine. But yes, yeah, it's not ringing any. This feels. This doesn't feel like a Sugarbeam single. This feels like a generic. I I a like, it, it sounds Bames sort of stopping. like a Kelly Clarkson <laughs> song. Aye, ah, yes, exactly. Right. Kelly Clarkson. Here we go. Here we go. Oh yeah, right. Okay, fair enough. Well, I'm back. Yes, I do remember that now. <laughs> But it does sound like a Ke- Kelly Clarkson song. You're, you're right, Gordon. That's, that's it sounds like it's, it's one of her songs rather than a Sugar Brave song.
2: So, uh, the Terrace, the Terrace Scottish podcast <laughs> meets Diamonds and the Gold. There you go. <laughs> right, uh, so Let's go on to the UK game. Um, right, aye. So, number one at UK box office was The Heartbreak Kid, which is a Farrelly Brothers film starring Ben Stiller. I've not seen that. No, you know. No. No. All three. No. Okay. Right. Let's get to the, the game. The Scotland team for this match was Gordon and Goals, a back four of Alan Hutter, David Weir, Steve McManus and Gary Naismith. A midfield five of Scott Brown, Barry Ferguson, Stephen Pearson, Lee McCulloch and James McFadden as the number 10 playing off of Kenny Miller. And uh, subs used during the game, Maloney came on for Brown, Daly came on for McCulloch, O'Connor came on for McFadden, and the unused subs were David Marshall, Barry Robson, Chris Boyd, and I was about to say Neil Alexander, it's not Neil Alexanders, Graham Alexander, it's great, Alexander, the current uh, gruff Motherwell manager. They, of course, won the game 3-1, goals for Miller, McCulloch, and McFadden. Miller, and McCulloch's going in the first 10 minutes, as uh, this game, which was a crucial match on our...
1: You were about to 2008, not <laughs> it? <laughs> yeah, ultimately
2: failed. <laughs> road to, 2008 bid in, in Portugal. Uh, it, should have been, it should have been bloody crucial, but uh, four days later we went to Georgia and uh, I don't think I need to fill in anybody else on the details of this one. But this, I remember this quite well. Um, the, the anticipation around it, we'd already beaten France home and away. Uh, we, we had Italy coming up. If we win this game, we win in Georgia, you're getting to the point where you're thinking we might not even necessarily have to beat Italy, or at least then we only really need a draw against them and that might be enough for us. In fact, it would have been enough for us if we, if we managed to finish off the, the the Georgia game. And it was also quite an interesting one because we'd lost in Ukraine, but it was quite a tight match uh, with, I think, I think we went, we lose 2-0. We went 1-0 down. We went 1-0 down and then Kerry Miller missed a great chance.
1: And then Stephen and Presley then, got sent off.
2: Yeah, after... A, on his birthday, Neil, I'm pretty sure. Robin Nielsen's only cap for Scotland. I think he made yep. an error that then led to Presley having to commit the, the last man fell And we were beaten, but it was a close match. But Ukraine were kind of going into this campaign before things got really kind of cinderella Ukraine were kind of the standard that we were hoping. We kind of thought, right, it's such a tough group. And Ukraine, the previous World Cup, I think, had got to the quarterfinals. But the, you could tell they were a team that was maybe starting to age a little bit. So you kind of thought, right, we're not going to finish above France, we're not going to finish above Italy, the two World Cup finalists, <laughs> but let's try and finish above Ukraine, because then at least when it comes to the next round of fixtures, sorry, the next group, we'll be the third seed and things will be easier. Or, yeah, we'll second seed or third seed, we'll get a higher seed in anyway. Well, things will be easier on us, we'll not end up being dr- drawn fourth and, and, and having the, to go through so much hardship to reach a tournament. And then, you know, come to the game and it's like, we we'll need pretty beat Ukraine because we'll definitely, we'll knock them out of reaching the tournament. Uh, we'll step one step closer ourselves and then we're 2 nothing up inside 10 minutes. Wild. Absolutely wild. I remember watching it at the pub thinking, are you just like a great football team now? It's just that we just win constantly. Uh, of course, it didn't last for long, but it was uh, it was glorious at the time. Gordon, what's your memories?
1: Yeah, so this was this was right around the time that I first started going to Scotland games. It was the the Georgia game in that campaign was my first home game that I ever went to, Uh with the one with Craig Beatty's last minute shinned winner, and then then we beat Lithuania three one at home, and then in the next home game, and then the next game at home game after that was this one against Ukraine, and it was also I just started university, so I was living in Glasgow. The, the Venga boys were still ringing in my ears from Freshers Week. Um, which, by the way, were class. And, and yeah, I think, you know, up until recently, this is the game that people always go back to is thinking, that was us at our very, very best. That was just the day. It was a perfect day. It was a Saturday. I'm pretty sure it was a three o'clock kickoff, or if it wasn't a three it o'clock, was a three o'clock It was a three o'clock kickoff. There you go. Yeah. So a Saturday, three o'clock kickoff. Hamden was just Basking in glorious October sun. We also... This was back in the days where you could choose what song you walked out to for qualifiers rather than having to walk out to the official FIFA or UEFA anthem. That campaign, we were walking out to Insomnia by Faithless. And just there's something about that combination of crowd and fireworks and Faithless that just... It just riled people up, you know, to, to... quote Jay-Z, you know, gets the people going. You know...
2: Is uh, that quoting Jay-Z?
1: No, wait. <laughs> wait a minute. It's from
2: a Jay-Z and Kanye song, but it is it's from, from that a, song. Will, <laughs> it's, well, it's Will Ferrell from Glades
1: Qu- of Glory. Quoting Will Ferrell from a Jay-Z song... <laughs> Sub quoting, um, Andy.
2: How, Andy, how about you? Do you need uh, Do you need me to play Faithless and sonnet for it? No, I know that one. Okay, yeah, you know, right, 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 yeah. Sorry, sorry yeah. god Keep going. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> just make, so make, I, make sure Andy's
1: up to speed musically, wise. I, I just think you know the the setup for that game couldn't have been more perfect. We were just coming off the back of winning in Paris, and like you said, having that home and away win against France, suddenly it felt like we could beat anybody. And then to walk out, it was like. Ukraine were just blown away by a tsunami of emotion within the first nine minutes, you know, that were 2-0 up, you know. You've got a phenomenal front post header from Kenny Miller from the James McFadden uh, free kick on the right-hand side. Just a really good running header. And then probably one of the best set-piece routines I've ever seen, where all the players ran from back post to front post. Lee McCulloch sneaks to the back post. Ferguson finds him, and then... He just takes one touch to set himself and from my position, sort of at the other end of the north stand, I just had that perfect angle behind where I could just see the ball arcing over into the top corner and yeah, that that, that was one of those moments that you think, we're going to bloody do this.
3: Andy? Yeah. Well, my memories are similar to uh, Gordon, because my, my first game, my first Scotland game in the flesh was the France 1-0 game at home. And then it was the the second game was the the Georgia game. So uh, I was only one game more experienced than than Gordon in terms of uh, live matches at the time. And uh, yeah, I, I I was watching this one actually. I was I was at work at the time. Uh, I was working at a call center uh, for O2. and we had we used to have they let you put the telly on like they'd, they'd generally play sport sort of without the sound on just while you were kind of whiling away at hours because I'd do, i do I, I think I was doing my post-grad so I would tend to work on a Saturday and um, yeah so they would put that on so I remember seeing was uh, Miss against Norway while I was on the phones talking to somebody um, and I, I, again I was in the middle of having conversations with people about their phone tariffs while this Scotland game was going on <clears throat> and, and actually the Italy game has happened Um yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it was it it was it was one of those ones I was gutted to have missed it, having been at those uh, the couple of ones before. It was the first time that it, as a as a kind of adult, that I got totally swept up as a, a Scotland fan in that that experience um, in that game. It's kind of harder to remember specifically because I was in the middle of taking calls about phone tariffs, so so my memories of <laughs> the specifics of it aren't. They? <laughs> <laughs> But, um and telling people how to turn on their iPhones but um I, I was actually one of the first people to have an iPhone in the would have been one of the first people to have an iphone in the u k actually' because we were uh we were in like that that small iPhone team that when they came out for the first time because they were on o two on their own when they came out. I just left it in the box I had no interest for it i had a had my c d player and I watched, so why did I need to different the to <laughs> Just left it in the book, didn't touch it. Just, just sat there in a cupboard for, uh, <laughs> for <like> four months. Then <laughs> I finally, then I think my, because I think I had like a, a crap phone, that finally broke. I was like, oh, "Well, I've got this free free thing off of uh, off of work." <laughs> Realised that, oh yeah, what an idiot I've been for the past four months, not touching it. Uh, like, begone CD player! You can finally finally get rid of the fifty CDs I carry with me every day. Um, but anyway, uh, in terms of the match, it, that was the it, Lee McCulloch had always been a bit of a. I was never a huge fan of his because he was kind of it was the right of the midfield or that he was kind of an inverse right winger wasn't he? in a sense that he was he was out wide sort of but obviously he wasn't never fast no enough left to a, no left wing left, used to play. Sorry, was a left right but he was your was, was he was he was basically out there he was never fast enough to to be a proper winger and he sort of acted as a i don 't know a battering ram and he was a bit of a kind of stephen o'Donnell character in a way that he was Pretty uncultured in a sense, and he was—he did he did, a, he did a, an effective job for McLeish's team, but it, it wasn't that easy to watch a lot of the time. But um, I think that was the moment that I, I finally warmed to McCullough because it was a a terrific finish, and then uh, it looked a bit nervy when Shevchenko brought them back into, it. and they had a good team. Like if you look at the the team that they had there, had a lot of decent players on their side. Voronin. But, yeah. But yeah, Voronin, who I mean, uh, did very well at Liverpool, but was otherwise pretty good. Um, they were top fifteen in the well. world. You know, as as as, as yeah. much as all the attention in this
1: group was on Italy and France as having just competed the World Cup final, you know, Ukraine were still a really really handy team and very comfortably in the top twenty in the world. Um, although I will say th- this was this was the first of this just quite ludicrous run that we had in t- in terms of three European Championship qualifying campaigns in a row. We had the team that had just won the World Cup, which I, I just I can't even work out the odds of that. It just seems it blows my mind that we did that. So we had Italy in this group. Next group was Spain. Next group was Germany. That's just mental.
2: <laughs> and that was in our group. The Germany one we actually done quite well,
1: and then got beat by Georgia.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course Oh, these bloody parallels, man, honestly uh, Yeah, so 2-0 up inside 10 minutes And Shevchenko gets a scrappy goal back Really kind of One of those goals that's kind of Nobody does too badly But overall, as a defence you could maybe do better with it And then the referee showed that he was allergic to giving penalties Yeah Because I, I think all three are penalties, are they not?
1: Yeah, I think so, yeah Yeah, Alan, Alan Hutton gets gets cleaned out uh, Gary Naismith plays none of the man <laughs> no plays plays none, none, none of the ball and all of the man and then yeah McFadden has another one into the second half as well that yeah you've got well it's, good, it's a good thing we've got VAR these days you know because they never would have gotten away with that
2: <laughs> yeah
1: well, well to be fair it would have been it was our one first so it would
2: have been 3-1 back and front so it would have been it would have been uh, <laughs> it would have been 4-2 at half time. Um but no, the big father one you said it start it uh, was actually still in the first half but it was an in injury time in the first half mm. uh, but that was when Lee McCulloch got booked for descent and that meant he missed the Georgia game so thanks for the goal Lee but you're also a fanny
1: yeah shut up. well this, this in fairness like as as much as it was a phenomenally important win this was a very costly win as well because you know McLeish did sort of he inherited this team from Watersmith. And he very much kept the similar starting eleven. Like this, this was probably the last time, until now, with Steve Clark, that we had real consistency of selection. Where you knew eight or nine of the players that were going to start for Scotland every game. And obviously, you're right. We lost McCulloch. We lost uh, Gary O'Connor through suspension for Georgia. And then after the game, Scott Brown and Alan Hutton pulled out injured as well. So missing four good players for us for the game for the midweek game.
2: We still should have bloody won it anyway. Yes. Well, with yeah, it's weird. It's,
3: it's weird watching the BBC, uh, reading the BBC sort of post-match about it and how buzzing everybody was, and you just think, now, oh god, if only you knew it was coming." <laughs> they're it's, it's so innocent uh, that Everyone's really excited about it. Um,
2: and then uh, just to round round off this bit with the second half, McFadden's third uh, a terrific touch and finish for him. And uh, the commentator uh, was it Crocker? I can't mind. Uh, says like he could do could do no wrong at this moment in time because that was like obviously I think this was our first game after the France went away.
1: It was yeah yeah yeah.
2: And, so it was just like uh, yeah
1: he, he 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 was on just a ridiculous run at that point. It just seemed like anything he touched would turn to a goal. You know he came he came off the bench against Lithuania in the game before Paris and cutting off that right wing and just put one in the top left corner. Like he was yeah, God, what a player he was for us.
2: Uh, if it wasn't for his injury problems, I mean we were t- t- joking earlier about McGinn and, and Adams like breaking the top five Scotland all time. I think Mc, I think McFadden would have got there if he hadn't he Yeah. He just fucking needs, needs to And be I and I think, I think
1: I think as well like, obviously the great the great regret with McFadden and I think he probably would say this himself is that he got he got it was the, it was the game against Liechtenstein under Levine that was his last game and that was his 49th cap and you just look at that mm. and think why couldn't we have just given him one more you know
3: and got him to fifty?
2: Right, I get him in the hall of fame, but right, although the uh, that,
3: that that, like, that one was a real Nadir because I, 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 I can't remember if the fans he he started didn't he, and then he went off am I right in saying that? I think he got hooked at half yeah, time. Yeah, I, I had a feeling if we booed him off then, or I, I don't know. He certainly he was he, he was. Terrible, anyway. Um, so it was a bit of a bit of a, a, a bad way to go out, really. But um.
2: Craig Levine Living didn't know what to do. With a mercurial, no. creative forward player <laughs> with with little pace. <laughs> Doesn't sound like him. Come on. Yeah. Right. Is there anything else to add about this game? I don't
1: know. I, I think. I think. Probably the best thing to say about this game, you know, I I mentioned earlier that this is always the one that people go back to, is thinking about just the best Scotland, the combination of the match, the experience, the goals, everything. It's just the, the most positive memory. But I would like to think that the Denmark game last year has now eclipsed it because the Denmark game actually meant something, you know, and this game, as good as it was... Like you said, Andy, you know that four days later they went and the wheels fell off in Georgia. Oh,
2: well, 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 had your horses because the Denmark game might end up being fuck all at all well, if we get beat by <laughs> Ukraine or Wales.
1: True, but but the Denmark game secured us second place and a seeded playoff, yeah. and we've not been to a playoff since two thousand four. So it got us okay. something tangible, and right, and okay, and, and, and we've also been able to enjoy it for the last four months, and we'll continue to as we said earlier with the friendlies, we're continuing this momentum all the way through to June at least. So we've, we've been allowed to enjoy it longer than we got to enjoy this game. <laughs>
2: It's because we, we started this top fifty countdown. Like I like I don't remember how long ago we we started off with Scotland one, Norway one from June nineteen ninety eight. But it was a, at least a couple of years ago now. I would say Andy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, since since then we've been, we've got very good. I mean, by the time we get to number one, people are like what? what? How, how come number one's not as winning the World Cup in Qatar? What are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> yeah,
3: it would have to do with Craig Anderson. Sort of. Doing that retro, retroactively going back through all the top 500 songs and uh, Q Rolling Stone, whatever it is, we have to. As soon as we finish, we're going to have to restart again to add in like the six or seven results since we started this whole thing. Painting, <laughs> painting the real bridge, we'll just have to start again. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just
2: continually do this list yeah. as we become a world power in football. Oh right, that's enough getting carried away with things. Right. Thank you very much. I've been mean, just going over as well how every time we, we think something good's happening it ends in heartbreak, we're still getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, can't help it. Yeah. Right, but thank well, you
1: very much for listening ob- to us. Obviously we've got the we've got the draw for the World Cup tomorrow. Oh yeah, of really? course. Which will th- theoretically have Scotland in it.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, you God. Know.
1: Which, which, by the way, what what greater carrot could possibly inspire the players? You know, it, and mm-hmm. and, it, and it's the exact same thing that we had for the Euros as well, where we knew well in advance what group we were going to end up in, so yeah, we funny. will know what's ahead of uh, us.
3: Uh, I, I don't know if this is going to date things, Craig. So I'll, I'll I'll keep it brief, but I I just don't want England. I want if if we were to get a a, a world a world cup. I want different teams I don't want us to go through the whole rigmarole about England again I I know I can one thing: another European power fine Mm, ideally though we're talking Brazil or Argentina or Qatar and then whoever we get from nah fuck it actually I've changed my
2: mind already I want England (laughs) no (laughs) because it's got neutral soil this time we're even better than we were at the Euros and I've never seen us beat England like apart from the game where we beat England but still lost to England hmm so, I want to see us beat England, and we're actually good enough now that we might be able to do it. So, nah, fuck it. Bring them on.
1: <laughs> Love it. Look at the positivity. <laughs> what a world.
3: I'll take Qatar. I'll right. with Qatar. But,
2: yeah. I'll, take, I'll definitely take Qatar. Qatar and England and some of those shite, so even if England beat us, we can maybe finish second.
3: No, Qatar, and, q- Qatar are top seed. Yeah, they're top seeded. So ah, we of get course I So... It's Qatar or England, Craig, your choice. <laughs> but B or...
2: But we'll just end up drawn with Qatar. I know, I, goes, know. Goes, I know. <laughs> just, <laughs> I know.
3: At, at least with Brazil and Argentina or whoever else, we'd be expected to lose so anything else, there's only one way Qatar's going and that's uh, <laughs> embarrassing draw or <laughs> defeat, isn't it? <laughs>
2: Okay, I got to do this. Thank you very much to everybody for listening. Thank you to Gordon and Andy for for joining me. And if you would like to keep listening to us, Andy and I are going to record a Patreon where we're going to preview the Challenge Cup final this weekend. And yeah, so that's between Wraith Rovers and Queen of the South. So yeah, quite quite a different gear change to what we've been talking about. But we we'll hope you'll check that out. And yeah, I think that's it. Say goodbye, guys. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye. And see you all later for, Oh, I forgot, Ty uh, Football's back this weekend hey. On football The real stuff <laughs> <laughs> Sorry Gordon <laughs> <laughs> So for this weekend Enjoy your football Sports Social
0: Podcast Network